everyone, welcome back to another episode of AWM Insights. I'm your host, Eric Averill, and I am joined by my co-host, Brandon Averill. Hopefully everyone had a great Memorial Day weekend. I know we are excited to jump back into this conversation around investing. And Brandon, where I want to start the conversation today is really around the future. The future of the stock market is we start to open up around the country. I feel like there's a little bit of uh, potential normalcy. And so there's the signs of hopes of things getting better. So the question a lot of uh, clients and people are asking us is, hey, Brandon, what do you think the stock market's going to do going forward? How, how would you answer that? Well, Eric, you know, I think it's going to probably be up double digits for the rest of the year. And uh, <laughs> now I, you know, I have no idea. And that's the, the response that I give everybody. And I, frankly think that if you're trying to predict the short-term returns of the U.S. stock market or any market for that matter, it's just a dangerous game to play. It's certainly not one that we play. But I, you know, how I truthfully answer that question is more trying to revisit their long-term plan. Let's talk about why you're invested in in stocks and bonds and the public markets in the first place. Is it to generate some sort of predictive return in the next 12 months? Uh, hopefully not. Uh, that wouldn't be a very good plan to be basing basing your financial future on. So what I really try to return people to is let's remember why we're investing. We're trying to participate in in the capital markets over the long term. We know that capital markets grow and we build our plans around those, but trying to predict in the short term, I think uh, is a fool's game and certainly not something that we mess around with. I think it's good to remember that, right? It, as humans, the thing is we like predictability. We don't like uncertainty. And so it feels good when we can turn on the TV and we can hear some of these so-called experts telling us what's going to happen. But uh, I love this quote by Peter Malouk, an advisor that said, uh, when we put maybe and possibly and potentially into the prediction machine this many times, we can only get maybe and possibly and potentially coming out of it. And I, I think the point he's saying is, you know what, there's going to be a lot of predictions that want to offer some comfort. But in reality, nobody has a crystal ball. We, we know this. I think if we've learned anything through COVID is, is uh, information changes every day and points us back to Brandon, like what are the ingredients of being a long-term investor versus a day-to-day -day market timer? Like what are some of the core principles to make sure that we are going to capture the long-term market returns? Yeah, Eric, great question. I mean, I think it most fundamentally boils down to participation in capital markets, being diversified globally, uh, not just domestically stocks versus bonds, but really you know, are you invested in the U.S., but are you invested in other countries as well? I think, you know, in a world where one asset class, so let's take the U.S. Uh, gross stocks, for instance, are the far and away the best performer for any sustained period of time. It's only natural that we all want to to dive in and let's just put 100% of our money in, in that asset class for, you know, because it's doing well, because the U.S. is a, a hub of innovation and we're going to be okay long term. But I, you know, when we look back at history, that's not always been the case. And so, you know, what we can do is is really use diversification and other 
tools that we know, you know, that are within our control to provide a, the best investment outcome over time. You know, when I look back, it, even year to date through through April 30th, I think most people would be pretty surprised to hear that, you know, the world's in a in a bit of turmoil right now. That's not the surprise, but people would be surprised to hear that the U.S. hasn't been the best stock market performance year to date. That actually belongs to Sweden, followed by South Korea, followed by China, believe it or not. So, you know, the question then I would I would pose to you is, should we go put 100% of our money in China? Uh, it's performed better than the U.S. And I think any reasonable person would think that would be a silly assumption. So it's kind of the same thing with the U.S. We don't want to, to take that same approach. And we can look at many different time periods. And, and some of it is, you know, cherry picking some data. But if you, for instance, look at the real returns, of, of stocks from 2000 to 2010, kind of that same concept. We see emerging markets was up 8.3% while the S&P 500 was down 2%. So, you know, during that period, and this was happening, people were asking, should we put all of our money in emerging markets? And we know that wasn't, wouldn't have been a very good decision as well. So, you know, the, the diversification is your only free lunch in investing. It certainly is one of them. And I think that's what a, a real long-term financial plan should be built upon. You know, what can we expect from a diversified portfolio? Let's not let the highs get too high or the lows too low and build a nice foundation from that. Yeah, I think even uh, bringing it to something very recent, as in last week, specifically in the United States, is the S&P 500 is made up a, a ton of ground. We know that uh, these are the largest 500 companies in the United States, and it can feel like, hey, that's that's where it's safe. And so what happens is a lot of people inside their investment portfolios, whether they're constructing this, picking individual stocks or just the S&P 500, they forget that there are far more companies within the United States besides those 500. So last week, S&P 500 is up 3.2%. That's great. But what we actually saw was the small cap stocks in the United States posted the biggest gains. The Russell 2000 was up over 7%. So even within just the United States, right, diversification, really what you want to do is make sure that you have this exposure to all of the companies so you can capture the market returns because it's very much that you can't predict which country is going to do the best. You can't really even predict what what individual uh, company is going to do the best inside of each of those countries. So I think it's it's really wise. Brandon, I'd love to just also hear your thoughts, you know, of as far as diversifying outside of the traditional just public stock market. Are there ways to diversify above and beyond that? Or, or where does that diversification come in? Uh, throughout your entire investment plan? Yeah, it's another good question. I mean, I think the public market should be the backbone for most uh, most investors when they're putting their plan together. It's the most reliable. It's the most uh, predictable from a long-term perspective based on, based on history. And so really making that the core of your plan makes the most sense. Um, everybody's unique. Uh, there are professional investors out there that can tap into the private markets and you know, maybe you're a real estate professional and you have some more insights there. I think that's on a case by case basis. Uh, but once you get to the point where you've really solved for, you know, that that wealth number that, hey, I can do whatever I want to do. You know, what I've accumulated, what's you know earning for me right now is enough to support the lifestyle that I desire and, and that I can take care of my family. Then I think further diversification can come into play in the private markets and and certainly 
provide for a greater expected return over time. Uh, so there are ways to do it, but I still think kind of turning back to your public market portfolio is the backbone is the way to go. That's that's great advice. And I, I think I'll leave uh, our listeners just with an analogy that helps me understand the importance of diversification is a lot of our listeners and uh, people know that our background is sports. And I think about putting together a lineup in baseball, right, is you don't just have one type of hitter filling all nine positions. We know that we love home runs, but if one through nine was just trying to go launch angle and hit 50 home runs, but was punching out 200 times, you, you know, a year is, it really wouldn't lead for success. So you can see these individual components where one, one particular company or player is hitting a bunch of home runs. But if the goal is to actually win the game is you want to have a well-diversified lineup, right? That's going to give you the best chance to put the most runs on the board. And I think that's the same when it comes to your investment plan is you're not trying to just only hit home runs, right? We're trying to grow our wealth uh, over time in a very diversified risk adverse way. And so until next time, we appreciate your guys' attention. We'd love to hear from you. Any questions that you guys have, topics that you would love uh, for us to cover. But until next time, stay humble. Stay hungry and always be a pro.